to be just like Bob and tell you how excited I am to give you this message today. I am. I am excited. Um, and I'm going to get going. I only have four pages, but it's like just every moment I wait, the Lord keeps giving me more stuff. So I'm like, I need to get going on this. So um, we are in Ephesians. We've been in Ephesians for a little while here. Um, and we've explained this before, but I'm just going to throw it out there because I want to make sure everybody's on the same page. So Ephesians, uh, which is a letter written by Paul to the church in Ephesus, is, can be broken up roughly into two parts. And the first half of Ephesians is mainly doctrine. That's where it's focused. And the second half is focused on application. So we are square in the application portion of Ephesians. So we are going to um, be covering verses 15 through 20 in chapter 5. So if you have your Bible or your phone, go ahead and find Ephesians chapter 5 and get yourself down to verses 15 through 20 because that's where we'll be. And as far as application goes, this is like a wonderful list of things for us to consider. And it was much more, like when I first read the five verses, I thought, okay, you know, good. I I thought I knew I was going to go and the Lord took me in an entirely different direction. And I, and I want to say this. I have to say this. The Holy Spirit told me very clearly as he was downloading some additional things today that there are certain parts of this message that are very particularly for people that are here today. And I believe also for particularly somebody who is watching online. Now, all of this is for all of us. But in particular, the Lord gave me some things that are for specific people here today. And I want to say hello to my, my people watching online, Pastor Apophras. I want to say hi to my mom. I want to say hi to Lily. Good morning. I'm glad you're with us here this morning. Your mom told me you were watching, so I'm giving you a little shout out there. Don't be too embarrassed, right? So, um, so I want you, as we are going through these verses I don't want you just to dial it in. I want you to think about how each and every one of these applies to yourself, to your situation. And I'm gonna ask you several times as we do this to give yourself a moment to reflect on what we're talking about, all right? Um, Okay, so I'm gonna read those verses, those six verses to you guys, and then we're gonna go ahead and go down there verse by verse. Depending on your translation, I use the NLT. Your little subtitle for this might be living by the Spirit's power, something, in, something like that, something similar to that. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's begin. Verse 15. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. So that first part of that sentence is just quite honestly, good advice. Care and caution are a remedy to sin. It's an imperfect remedy because we are not capable of being perfect, 
but being careful how you live can help you when you are thinking about what you are doing, when you are, um, again, just being, being careful and cautious, not locked up, not overthinking, careful and cautious wise, talking to the Lord about it. That second half of that sentence, don't live like fools, but like those who are wise, the words fools and wise, they mean exactly what we think they mean. So Paul is saying, don't live like a fool. Live like those who are wise. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that sentence, that verse, because it is exactly what it says. It's not anything that we even have to go into a lot of interpretation. It makes sense. We, we don't want to live like fools, but we want to live like those who are wise. So he rolls down into verse 16, and he says, then make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. The days were evil then, just like they're evil now. So this is the first time I want you guys to get ready to be able to think about this in the context of yourself. What is it that steals our opportunities? What is it that steals our opportunities? Does anybody, and you know what? If you have something, just yell something out. If you can think of something that steals our opportunities, either for you, for somebody else, Okay, go ahead. Something else? Fear. Fear. Good one. Procrastination is a good one. That's a good one. I've got busyness. Hey, I am way too busy to take this amazing opportunity that the Lord gift wrapped and gave me on a silver platter. Oh, too busy. Too busy for that. I'm afraid to take this opportunity because I'm afraid I'm making the wrong decision. Uh, Complacency. I don't want to do what it takes to take this opportunity that's put before me. The world uses our ego. This opportunity is not quite good enough for me. I'm holding out for management. <laughs> you know, that's, it's like, it's a cliche, but it can be very true. And I know, um, I know that happens. Our hurt feelings, our offense, our blaming of other people, our regret, it robs us of our opportunities and it distracts us from new opportunities. And as I look at this list, I'm horrified to see that every single one of these has probably robbed me of an opportunity at one time or another. We don't have unlimited time on this earth, and I hate to break it to you, our age doesn't matter. Anything can happen. We have, at this church, the wonderful opportunity to minister to families, um, when they're doing something fun and happy, like getting married, but also on the heartbreak day of their lives when they have a memorial or a celebration of life for a loved one that's passed. And in all the time that we have done over the last year, memorials, and we've done a lot, we can only think of maybe one or two times where the person passed was older and it was of natural causes young people going before their time for a myriad of reasons. Opportunity just robbed for them, stolen from them because of the lies of the enemy. And that sometimes when you are younger, and a lot of us think of ourselves as younger, even if we're not, I'm 57 and I still think of myself as younger. We believe we're bulletproof 
and we always have time to do whatever it is that we passed up before. And it doesn't, I'm not saying you have to, to do every single thing. We're going to talk about this. But we have to have an ability to wrap our minds around that today could be our last day. It could be. It just could be. And we have to think about that when opportunities present themselves, especially when they are opportunities the Lord has spoken to us about. Life is short. It's short whether you live a few years or a lot of years. It's short. It's short. It goes so fast. So what are some things that we might be leaving on the table when we look at missed opportunity? I put this question out on Facebook and I did an Instagram story for my Instagram people. And so I got a lot of interesting answers, and I'm going to give you some of these. These are things that people see as missed opportunities. The first one, it just cracked me up. I kind of liked it because um, just because of who I am. But the first one I share with you is understanding compound interest. Who else, right? <laughs> I am like, that is like the most practical missed opportunity trying to explain to a young person, please, if you don't understand anything else. I remember, I actually remember driving with our four kids in the car and not, I mean, the oldest one at the time was maybe, maybe 12. And I'm like, kids, compound interest. Just remember that phrase. I need you to remember that phrase. They didn't know, you know, but I, it's funny. I'm like, I just want you, if you ever hear that word, clue in right away, compound interest. Here are some of the other answer, answers. Studying abroad going to a bigger college or finishing a degree, opportunities to travel or march in a drum and bugle corps, staying at home with kids when they were little, or maybe missing the opportunity to not work so much when your kids were little, learning more about family, you know, your ancestral heritage from, from grandparents or, or elders that you have in your family. But I also got these answers. Giving forgiveness to someone who is asking for it. Sharing Jesus with a friend. Knowing Jesus as they knew him now and missing the opportunity to share him with family members who had passed. Having a relationship with Jesus earlier in their life. On a personal note for me, it's very similar to that. I'm sad that I wasted so much time not hanging out with Jesus and studying the Bible, studying his word, understanding his word. I, in, the, in my younger years, fell into the trap, the lie of the idea of being spiritual but not religious. What does that even mean? That means you're giving yourself uh, just the freedom to waste an opportunity to know the savior of your soul, right? It's ridiculous. But that's what, what the world tells you that that's okay, that that's like a pass, you know? And I look at it and it was me being lazy. You know, if I, if I really believed that Jesus existed, which I do, and he saved me from damnation, then how can I blame churches for me not having a relationship with Jesus. Wasted time. Wasted time, and that makes me sad. Wasting that time that I could have been spending knowing him better. 
but I'm not wasting that opportunity now. So hold on to that for a moment. Hold on to whatever it is for you for just a second, what, that, what you feel that wasted opportunity might have been. And let's go back to Paul for just a second. Paul, who is writing this letter. So scholars believe that this letter is written during the first Roman imprisonment. And if you remember, we've talked about this a little bit. Paul was martyred during this, his second Roman imprisonment. So this is the first one. And... Um, his imprisonment is house arrest. And if you're in our Philippian study on Wednesdays, we're talking about this some. And one of the things we talked about uh, this last Wednesday is what it meant to be on house arrest for him. So first of all, Paul is paying for the place that they're staying. So it's on his dime to be under house arrest in Rome. And he's under supervision. So there's soldiers there. It's not like he has a lot of privacy and he can do everything he wants to do and nobody knows anything about it. And for a good portion of this time, he's probably chained by the wrist to a soldier so that he can't pull any funny stuff that they don't know about. And he's there because of a false allegation to begin with. So he knows it's not like they have his best interests at heart. They're not trying to rehabilitate him at all. So this, is, this would be pretty daunting. So think for yourself, how would you react to the, that same circumstance? What would your reaction be? I don't think it would be surprising that maybe you would think, hey, you know, I'm going to keep my head down low, and as soon as I'm out of here, I'm going to hit that whole gospel thing hard. You know, I'm just trying not to get murdered. And that, and that would be totally understandable. And then let's take another step for just a moment and think about what does it mean to be in a season? Does everybody know, like, hey, I'm just in this season, or this, this is this season of my life? I'm not talking about weather seasons, though it relates. So I've looked up the definition of season, um, and one of, my, one of the better ones I thought was a definite portion of time to which some definite work or occurrence belongs. So many of you might be in a parenthood season, or an empty nester season, a career season, a retirement season, a ministry season. All right, so think about what you think the season is you're in right now. So you've got a couple things you need to keep, keep in your mind there as we're, as we're going forward. So think about what you've considered a missed opportunity and what season you believe that you're in right now. Let's say that this was Paul's prison epistle season, right? This is his season. I've got a graphic for you. This is what Paul did to not waste an opportunity Why he is imprisoned in Rome for two years. He preaches the gospel for two years while he's under house arrest. And he writes these four letters, these epistles that are in the Bible that we study today. Guys, I make excuses not to do things when it's cloudy outside, right? I, I'm like, whoa, that is Paul not wasting an opportunity. He made the most of the opportunity that he was in to keep going. All right, so we're going to look at, and we're going we're gonna to head back to Paul in just a moment, but we're going to go now to verse 17. Don't act thoughtlessly but understand what the Lord wants you to do. 
The NASB reads, um, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now the second part of that, know what the Lord wants you to do, understand what the will of the Lord is, that's a big, that's a big ask right there. So how did Paul live out what the Lord wanted him to do? We're going to take a moment in Acts. I'm not going to have this on the screen. I'm just going to read it to you. This is Acts 28, 30 through 31. And it's talking about these two years that, that Paul spends in Rome. For the next two years, Paul lived in Rome at his own expense. He welcomed all who visited him, boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ, and no one tried to stop him. I love that last verse, and no one tried to stop him. Because he was not in a place to think he was going to have that kind of favor to be able to do this, and no one tried to stop him. Paul understood the assignment. He made the most of that opportunity. But how did he know what the Lord wanted him to do? How could he be confident and boldly preaching the gospel in something that would have been a very hostile circumstance? And we're talking about, think again, in the house, preaching the gospel with a Roman soldier attached to your wrist. So you're not only preaching it to people who want to hear it, but those soldiers, they're hearing it. They're hearing it, hearing it, hearing it. And we have lots of wonderful um, stories about that in the Bible. So Acts is an amazing, an amazing book. But, but how did he know? You flip back a few pages earlier in Acts to 2311. And this is after Paul is arrested in Jerusalem and he's had to speak in front of the high council. That night, the Lord appeared to Paul and said, be encouraged, Paul, just, if you, just as you have been a witness to me here in Jerusalem, you must preach the good news in Rome as well. He heard it from Jesus directly. Like we have the Holy Spirit, that's Jesus talking to us. He heard it from Jesus directly. Though notice, Jesus didn't give him all the details about how that was going to work. And that would have been hard maybe for him to hear had he known what was going to lead up to that. But he listened. He, he was wanting to be in God's will. He wanted to be sensitive to what God wanted him to do, what the Lord wanted him to do. And Jesus appeared to him and he tells him this so that when it happened, even though the opportunity didn't come about quite how he may have hoped it would have, he recognized it and he took it. So how do we understand what the Lord wants us to do? We ask, we ask the Lord, what, what do you want me to do? What's, this, what's my next thing that you want me to do? What's my opportunity that you want me to take? You know, what, who do you put on my heart for me to address? We listen. It's important, you can't just ask and then not listen. You just ask and then move on with your day and know, oh, I didn't hear anything. Well, you have to listen to be able to hear something. You have to give him the opportunity to respond. You can study the word to help interpret and discern what it is that you're hearing so that you can recognize those things. But why is it so difficult to be thoughtful? So the, you know, the first part of that verse when it says, you know, don't act thoughtlessly. And they're not just saying, you know, Give me a birthday card when it's my birthday, right? It, that's not exactly what they're talking about here. Why is it so difficult to be thoughtful? 
And could it be that sometimes we want to go with what the world or, or our own preconceived notions tell us? It can be a pain to set aside what we think we know to look for a reason for the season that we're in or where the opportunity is in that season. Because it means we have to be willing to be patient, which is so difficult, to persevere. Nobody's like, yippee, I get to persevere. To put in the effort to ask, listen, and try to understand the will of the Lord. A lot of us, we think we know what our season holds. We think that seasons are cookie cutters. If I'm an empty nester, this is what my season looks like. If I'm a parent, this is what my season looks like. Have you ever heard somebody say to you, oh, I'm in a season of rest right now? Do you think that that means you don't do anything and that the Lord doesn't have anything for you? A season of rest is different than um, you just take a nap and you're just you know, sleeping through a few months of your life. The Lord has other things for you to pursue, and often those seasons of rest are pursuing him more deeply. It's a rest from some things that are outside of that. But if you don't ask, if you don't prayerfully petition for an answer, if you don't study your word, how do you know and discern what it is for you in that season, how your season, your parenthood season, might have some really wonderful opportunities that you hadn't considered. Your retirement season, something that you maybe think, I am too old for whatever. Um, I am too old to be all of a sudden an event planner at a venue when I've never done that before in my life. Uh, I am, you know, so many things. I'm too old to run Tough Mudder for the first time. I've never run a day and then 13 mile Tough Mudder or half marathon, whatever it is. There are so many things we tell ourselves. We're like, what are you thinking? I mean, all the time I'm telling God, I'm like, yeah, I don't know what you're thinking, but okay, okay. You know, if you say it's possible, if you say, if you say it, I believe it. Okay. So then Paul goes into this, this next verse, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read them to you together, 18 and 19, but then we're going to talk about them separately. And it seems maybe like it's a little disjointed or he's just, you know, pulling out one weird thing. But he reads, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. So that first verse, verse 18, don't be drunk with wine because it will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So Paul isn't saying that we can't have fun or fellowship or celebrate with our friends. And he's pulling out drunk with wine because that would have been the issue for them back in that day. And unfortunately, today, we have all kinds of things that can be substituted for that word wine. Matthew Henry has a great quote, and the word drunkenness in this quote could be used for, uh, again, any of those other substitute things. Drunkenness is a sin that seldom goes alone. Now, I told you I'm 57. Who else who's in my age range 
is so thankful that there was no social media, our smartphones with cameras on them when we were in high school and college. Oh my goodness. You know, there are just times you're just like, oh, the stupidity of the things that I did, you know, and, and I'm thankful that that's not on the internet for the rest of my life. Um, so I'm thank you, uh, you know, I'm thankful for that and I'm sorry, younger generation, that that is something that you, you have to deal with. But why, why do people drink, take drugs, fill in the blank with whatever it is that, that comes to your mind in excess? Why do they do that? It's avoidance. It's an excuse sometimes for bad behavior. It's a way to numb yourself from whatever it is that's hurting you or making you afraid or making you feel regret or shame. It's, it's a way to numb yourself. So then the question that the Lord kept just showing me is that when somebody is in this numbed state, it is impossible for them to hear and then discern what they have heard because they're numb, they're numb, they're, everything is fuzzy. It's, you know, how can you ask the Lord when you've numbed yourself to be, from hearing the answer? You've made it almost impossible for you, to, your, for you to hear the answer. So Paul encourages them and us because we've got the book, right? It's still here for us. He encourages us to do something else instead, to fill ourselves with something else instead, something that won't ruin our lives. He's encouraging us to be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your heart. He's encouraging us to, to fill ourselves with something that will um, sharpen us, make us more alive and present in the moment, not something that numbs us and isolates us. So has anyone here, giving you another second to think about something for yourself, I know a lot of people are hesitant to sing during worship or, you know, though I know you're not hesitant to sing in your cars because I see that all the time, you know, you, people are just going for it. But when you do that, when you're here in service and you're singing to the Lord or you're in your car and you're singing worship songs or we had our intercessory prayer the other day and, and we didn't have any worship for that, but we ended up just singing, right? We chose a couple songs and turned on, a, turned on somebody's smartphone to a song, and we just sung. And then another song, we couldn't even find the right version on the phone, and so we just sung it. And uh, I don't have a good voice, I'm just telling you. And nobody was yucky about that, though. We just, it was just beautiful, singing to the Lord, getting our hearts ready for prayer. So in your own personal circumstance, think about, a time that you have allowed yourself to just kind of sing with wild abandon to the Lord, to have that music in your heart, have you ever felt disappointed, offended, alone, angry after doing that? It is an amazing antidote to those feelings to just allow yourself to just lay it bare in front of the Lord like that all of the things that you think of as missed opportunities, 
things that you are holding on to that make you not see the opportunities that he's putting before you right in this very moment. And then Paul wraps this up so nicely in verse 20. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Gratitude. Oh my gosh. There is very little that gratitude can't affect. Gratitude is fundamental to our worship lives as Christians. It's part of that singing psalms. That's why that's all kind of rolled in together. That is a way of showing gratitude to the Lord. Our obedience shows gratitude for sure. But that singing to the Lord and just letting it out and letting ourselves be vulnerable and open to hear whatever it is that that he wants to say to us, that is a powerful, powerful place to be. So when I ask the Lord, so what, as we roll all of this together, what's my most important thing? What's the most important thing for us to, to hold in our hearts for the rest of this day, for the rest of our lives? And it was that maybe we can consider not wasting any more time holding on to our missed opportunities letting it haunt us and torture us and distract us. Maybe we just need to not waste any more time holding on to that. And instead, we give thanks to the Lord for the opportunities we have right now and those that are yet to come. So that's what I'm going to, I'm going to close this in prayer. And then after prayer, we're going to go into worship. We're going to do communion. Um, I think everybody here has done communion with us, so I'm not going to go through the explanation on that. But I am going to ask you that when we move into worship, consider singing along. You can raise a little hand if you want to. Close your eyes, maybe, if you don't want to. Whatever, but consider just allowing yourself to make that music in your heart for the Lord. And then when you come up to take communion, just ask that he would reveal to you today in the season that you're in right now, what that opportunity is for you. What that opportunity is for you right now. Because there'll be opportunities today. There'll be opportunities in the future. Ask him to reveal to you. And, I, and he will. He will. If you are willing to ask it and you're willing to listen, he will reveal to you what your opportunity is in the season that you're in right now. All right. So let's just close in prayer. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for for the way you love us, for the way that every sentence in the Bible is meant for our good. It is meant to help us to have the fullest life that we can have now in you, that you are for us, you are not against us, and that you, uh, I mean, if you're for us, who could be against us, right? That's the, you've written that in the Bible for us and let us just hold that in our hearts that just because we missed an opportunity, yeah, it's something we can grieve, but don't grieve it to the extent that we miss the next opportunity you set before us because you are merciful and you don't want us to be in that place. You don't want us to just live forever in a place of regret and a feeling of loss. You want us to take those opportunities because you have so much for us. We love you, Lord. We praise you, and we just pray for your revelation today. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys.